Hi, my name's Kevin. Welcome to our weekly Maison Mission program. This is episode number 16. Happy Palm Sunday. Maison Mission is an inclusive faith community. The word Maison comes from a Greek word that means greater. The Maison Mission is about finding greater spaces for people to hear and experience the good news of Jesus. You can find out more about Maison Mission through the links in the description of this program. Let's pray. God, we thank you um, for all that you're doing in us, through us, and around us. Lord, I thank you for this season of Lent that is coming to a close. I thank you that we have been able to focus our hearts on you, to see you at work in the little things, um, in the things that maybe we've given up, the things that we've surrendered to you, Lord. You have been present. Lord, you have revealed your heart to us. And so, Lord, um, I pray that you would continue to draw us closer to you as we enter into Holy Week, as we set our eyes on Easter Sunday, Lord, where you are risen, where you have defeated death, um, Lord, and you are declared victorious. Lord, uh, we love you and we worship you today in your name. Amen. Last week, we had some unexpected hangups in our weekly program. And I just want to take a minute and explain what all happened. Basically, I've been burning the candle at both ends for a while now, and the wick ran out. Between family, working a handful of other jobs, and recording and editing this program for Maison Mission, there just weren't enough hours in the day to do it all. Time is a limited resource. One thing I learned early on in life is that you can always make more money and other stuff, but you can never make more time. Another thing I've learned more recently is that you can't keep your kids from growing up. And while family is forever, they will not stay the same for very long. Our kids are a gift, and before you know it, they'll be adults on their own. I love Maison. All of my life has led me to this moment where I get to help birth this new church into being. It is my heart. However, like my wife Erin said last week, we have all experienced seasons at unhealthy churches as volunteers or as employees where the expectations on us were so high that we felt pushed to make sacrifices for the ministry, especially sacrificing our families. This is not good, and it isn't sustainable. If we want to have a healthy church that doesn't push our volunteers to burnout and makes room for God to work in and through our complicated lives, that change has to start with me and with Levi and the leadership of Maison. So last week, we decided to push the release of our program back a few hours so that I could spend some much needed time with my family on Saturday and not force me to pull an all-nighter just to get the program out on time. I tried to explain this in the program last week, but even that announcement felt rushed and I didn't feel it was quite as clear as it needed to be. So Maison, I want you to know that Creating healthy culture is foundational, and I'm so incredibly thankful for Levi and our core leaders team for walking in a deep level of grace as we develop this Maison mission together. I'm also thankful for you. Thank you for being patient and understanding with us and for walking with us as we figure these things out here at the beginning. Thank you for investing in the Maison mission. Your donations and financial support 
make it possible for Levi and I to keep growing this thing. And hopefully, as giving continues to increase, we won't have to work other jobs and can focus more on our time at Maison. So thank you for the ways you keep sewing into Maison. If our work is meaningful to you and you want to see the mission grow, consider supporting Maison Mission if you aren't already. We're already seeing glimpses of the greater things that God is doing through Maison, and there's no way we could bring this inclusive community into being without you. So thanks. All right, let's dive in. It's Palm Sunday. Those of us who grew up in church remember this day well. It's the day that church supplied all the kids with grass whips that I know when I was younger, we would use to torment our younger brothers and sisters, right? <laughs> we would come out of Sunday school armed and dangerous, and our parents knew it. The Palm Sunday ride home from church was always awesome. Well, maybe not awesome for everybody. <laughs> And uh, those of you who didn't grow up in church have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> so let's, let's recap the Bible story that's at the center of Palm Sunday, the triumphant entry of Jesus. So let's set the stage here a little bit. Jesus had just performed his greatest miracle to date. He had just raised Lazarus from the dead. The Pharisees are realizing that they can't benefit from Jesus rallying the people and now are in fact seeing Jesus as a threat to their systems of power, so they're already starting to think about ways to arrest and to kill Jesus. Let's look at John 12. But in case you're interested, the story is in all four Gospels. It's in Matthew uh, 21, 1 through 11, Mark 11, 1 through 11, and Luke 19, 28 through 44. Each of the Gospels has a different spin on the story, so they're all worth going back and taking a look at. But for the short time that we have together, I'm going to read from John. And like I said, this is John 12. We're going to start at verse 12. So here we go. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, the disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd was with him when he called Lazarus. The crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this great sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. So the word's out on Jesus. Like a viral video, everyone is sharing the news about this miracle-working Jesus. Lazarus was dead, but now he's alive. There's a lot of buzz surrounding Jesus. People are actually waiting for Jesus to show up in Jerusalem for the Jewish Passover. So here he is. Jesus arrives with his entourage, the disciples, and all the people who have been following the miracles that Jesus had been doing. At this time, the Jewish people were under the oppressive rule of the Roman Empire. They had grown up hearing the stories from the scriptures about a Messiah 
who would come and save the Jewish people from their oppressors. There were prophecies written about a man who would come and set the people free. So to say that expectations were pretty high when the word started getting around about the things Jesus was doing and saying is a bit of an understatement. The people were elated. Finally, God had sent them a deliverer. So the people start lining the streets. They come with palm branches and start waving them around. Why palm branches? Well, the palm branch was a symbol of victory and goodness. The people were convinced that Jesus was going to overthrow the Roman rule and give the Jewish people back their lands and restore their traditions. Jesus healed and forgave Gentiles, Samaritans, lepers, and more. So you've also got all these people on the fringes of society who are taking notice and sensing the kind of hope that they had never had before. All of this because of this humble, kind, and loving Jesus. Okay, so here comes my nostalgic pop culture reference. So buckle up. Um, I want to talk about reality TV for a minute. I don't know how many of you have been following some of the new releases that have been coming out, but Paramount Plus just relaunched their streaming service with a bunch of new programming, and one of the shows they launched was a reboot of MTV's The Real World. Uh, most of you remember uh, the, the, the intro uh, went something like this. This is the true story of seven strangers picked to live in a house, work together, and have their lives taped to find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real, the real world, right? <laughs> well, they got the original season one cast together in the same Soho New York City apartment and did a reunion. I haven't dove into it yet, but the trailer alone brings back all the feels for me. The real world was the original reality TV show. We'd never seen anything like it before. I was still in high school, and I remember sneaking glimpses of MTV because I wasn't allowed to watch it, and my first time seeing the real world was mind-blowing. Watching unstaged, real-life drama like that was so provocative and powerful. We were getting to see behind the curtain of life in a way we had never done before on television. It was addicting. It also ushered in the last two and a half decades of reality TV programming that we've either hated or loved. Um, everything from Survivor to The Bachelor to Extreme Home Makeover. All of it started with the real world. But I want to turn our attention to a much lesser known show from the glory days of early reality TV. In 2003, there was a reality TV show called The Joe Schmo Show. It was on the testosterone-infused Spike TV cable network for men. Um, the show had a very interesting premise. It was a competition show like Survivor with challenges and tribunals and people getting voted off. But the difference was that all the contestants were actors, except for one real contestant, The Joe Schmo, who thought they were really on a reality show. And so basically, it was a whole season of, giant, of a giant practical joke being pulled on one guy. They would stage these awkward challenges where they would create scenarios where like Joe Schmo would end up looking stupid in some way. He was the butt of every joke. Every episode would end with someone getting voted off, and the idea was to keep Joe in, thinking that this whole thing was real, and keeping the jokes rolling for as long as possible. 
No one had ever done this sort of thing before, so the whole thing was uncharted, tele, uh, uncharted ter territory for TV. Reality TV producers in general were just trying to outshock each other by taking a bunch of risks to see what stuck. So this show was just another shot at market success. But what happened with season one of The Joe Schmo Show was definitely not what the producers had in mind. And it is truly the stuff of legends. So season one's target character was a guy named Matt Gould from uh, the Pittsburgh area of Pennsylvania. The pranks started out early in the show, uh, but the producers started to realize that Matt, Matt was just a really nice guy. Like, too nice. All the jokes that they were playing on him would just roll off of him, and the audience started to really identify and rally around his sensitivity. He also quickly bonded with the cast, and they found him to be incredibly endearing and selfless towards them throughout the show. In an early episode, one of the contestants, a guy named Earl, who, who Matt had become really good friends with, gets voted off the show, and, and Matt gets genuinely teared up. In another episode, Matt wins a sumo wrestling contest, but finds out that he actually injured one of the female contestants to the point where she needed to get checked out at a hospital. The next day, he felt so bad that Matt offered her the all-expense-paid spa vacation that he had won in the contest. Over and over, Matt Gould would rise up and confound the producers when their plans to embarrass and shame him would all end up falling flat. Towards the end of the season, the cast would threaten to quit because they couldn't keep the joke on Matt going anymore. Everyone was drawn in to rally around the kindness and love that Matt walked in. The final episode of The Joe Schmo Show resulted in everyone coming clean on the joke and announcing that Matt was the real winner of the show. Most of the cast sharing heartfelt testimonies and stories chronicling all the times when Matt had showed them compassion and kindness when they were trying to keep this elaborate prank going. The underdog had won. The humble Matt had somehow turned the tables around and showed the world that winning isn't everything. So what does this have to do with Palm Sunday? You know, I shared this, this talk with my wife after I wrote it, and she was like, so Jesus is like Joe Schmo? Well, when you say it that way. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I can't help but think about how similar what was going on at the time Jesus arrived in Jerusalem was. The people were drawn into Jesus' compassion and humility. They saw real love, and it stirred their souls. It's pretty awesome. It shows us how powerful love can be. It shows us that there's a strength in the humble and the meek. There's a power in strength and weakness that we can never control. And at the end of the story in John, you can see that the Pharisees, the religious people of the day, are not happy about what's going down. They were trying to benefit from all the ruckus that Jesus was causing. And it's in this moment that they realize they can't control the crowds. They can't manipulate or leverage the situation to maintain their power and voice. They're in damage control now. Jesus is a problem. And they need to figure out how they're going to fix the problem. Like the producers of the Joe Schmo show, the Pharisees can't ever seem to get ahead of Jesus and have constantly pivoted and changed their strategies since there's no way for this thing to end without them looking bad. Jesus innocently comes in peace. Even though the people want a revolution, Jesus comes into town on a donkey, not a war horse. 
His victorious proclamation to the people is not war, but peace. He's not trying to win the game of control and influence that the Pharisees are playing. Jesus is clearing the path for peace between the Gentile and the Jew, the Roman and the Samaritan. The palm branches wave to declare Jesus as the way to this peace. Every one of these groups of people have skin in the game here. The Jewish people want Jesus to lead a revolution. The Pharisees want to manipulate a pawn to lead the religious people into their control and influence. The Gentiles want to be seen and included as a part of God's plan. You see, everybody here has their own expectation of what Jesus can do for them. Yet, the arrival of Jesus on a donkey is the perfect irony No one's expectations are met in the ways that every one of these groups of people want them to be met, are they? Have you ever had an expectation of God that wasn't met? Maybe it was a prayer you prayed that didn't go the way you wanted. A job you wanted to land didn't come through. Maybe a relationship fell apart that you wish would have stayed together. Or maybe the loss of a loved one to illness We've all had expectations of God that haven't been met the way we want them to be met. But you don't stop being you. God doesn't stop being God. But sometimes when we look back on the disappointments we walk through and the losses we've mourned, we can see a fuller and bigger picture than just our feelings and our pain. I mean, that's what happened on Palm Sunday. Everybody saw Jesus as one thing, but a week later... Jesus appeared to them to be something else, something better, something greater. You know, maybe maybe you wanted God to show up on a war horse, and instead, he showed up on a donkey. You know, I love in one of the Maison Lent devotionals that was sent in by our friend Becky Lefevre, it talks about this. I think her Devo goes out tomorrow. Check it out. But, but she talks about pain and joy. And how both exist at the same time. They're not polar opposing forces. So we can experience all of the goodness and love of God while also mourning the expectations that we have that go unmet. We can still believe in a faithful God when things don't go our way. This is really big. Don't miss this. There are a lot of you in this Maison community who are working through really tough questions about faith and God and the issues of pain and hurt and loss in this broken world. There's there's this popular word, deconstruction. I'm deconstructing my faith. And, And I love it. I want you to hear this. I love it. Church needs to be the place where we run to to ask those questions and process our experience in real time with others. Church hasn't always been good at that especially recently, but the purpose of the church is so that we don't have to walk through those questions and challenges alone. The point of deconstruction is not destruction, but reconstruction. And Maison is the place for this. We exist to create greater spaces for you to process these things. But here's the hard word that needs to be said. You know, these issues that we wrestle with, the issues of the faith that we feel so deeply about, the stuff that might not add up because God didn't do or act the way I needed him to, or maybe it's, where was God when I needed him most? Or, 
I know some of you have even said this one to me. How can I believe in a God that's so cruel that he would let this happen? Humanity has been wrestling with this stuff for thousands of years. People much, much smarter than me have written countless books about it. And even the apostles and the early church fathers wrestled with the issues of what is God's responsibility when it comes to tragedy. There's a broad range of ideas on this topic, and there will surely be more to come, and, and we can even talk about them and sort through all the different lenses that we see God and the Bible through, but I can't explain it all. And you know, in saying this, I don't intend to blindly excuse things either. I'm not giving a pass to the wrongs and injustices, which are like a thief that comes to kill and destroy. Evil is evil. Death is horrible, and pain can be unbearable. There are harsh realities of a broken world that we exist in, but I also believe that God is present. He's with us. He is faithful. He is good. Life is hard sometimes. Just because there is pain and death and injustice all around us does not mean that God is asleep at the switch. At the end of the day, we have to decide if we want to keep pressing in with faith you know, it's a choice. We have to decide if we even want to keep believing in this thing. We have to decide if we're going to cash out on Jesus, if we're really, or if we're really going to heed the call and become ambassadors of grace. Are we willing to take up our cross and die like what Levi said last week? Let go of our expectations and walk out the hands and feet work that has the potential to heal this broken world? to strike down injustices and declare the peaceable reign of Jesus' kingdom that he promises to us? You know, I want to wrap up with this. You know, it's all about expectations. Our expectations of God, ourselves, and others, and others' expectations of us. Sometimes there's people in this world who have expectations of how they want us to react, behave, and influence others. Powerful people want to manipulate influencers so that they can keep people under their thumb. Sometimes our own expectations can keep us from seeing the bigger picture. So my encouragement to you today is to submit your expectations to God. Let His Spirit guide you to healthy expectations. Let grace empower you to influence others in seeing His great faithfulness and goodness in the midst of pain and mourning. And let's all move towards God as again and again, he peacefully rides in to our lives, declaring his kingdom, his victory, and his goodness. Let's pray together. God, I thank you that, that, that you are good. I thank you that you are love. I thank you that you are faithful. And even though in our lives, in real time, we may not always feel like you're faithful. But God, we rest in your promises, Lord. Lord, that day when you, when you came into Jerusalem, everyone had an idea of what you were going to do. And none of those people got what they wanted. But everyone got what they needed. So Lord, help us focus our hearts on you and the things that you have done to provide for our needs. And Lord, make yourself known in us, through us, and around us, that we may be declarers of your great kingdom, 
your peaceable kingdom that comes to bridge the gap between us, you, and others, that we can all be together, unified in you. Amen. A few reminders before you go. Next week is Easter Sunday. We're having our Easter in real life service next Sunday at 10 a.m. The service will be held outdoors at a private residence in Northwest Gainesville. If you're interested in joining us for this in-person service, sign up at the link provided with our program or send us an email at info at and we will send you all the details. And if you aren't yet comfortable to meet in person, don't worry. We will post the recordings of the Easter service for you to view later in the day on Easter Sunday. After Easter, we will be taking a week off to breathe before launching into our spring programming. Our weekly program will resume on Sunday, April 18th. Maison Mission is a non-denominational church. These programs and conversations are only possible through the financial support and donations from people like you. If our program encouraged you today, consider supporting the Maison Mission with a one-time gift or on a recurring basis. You can give through the link shown on your screen. We will also be displaying our giving links on a slide at the conclusion of this program. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you all have a fantastic week.